In this episode of Wisdom Talks, John Barter explains the three ways to wisdom and why our planet needs wiser people. Are we ready? Ready for now. <laughs> Don't want to miss out on now. <laughs> Not much if you miss out on now. <laughs> Might have to make do with the past. So I had mentioned last week that uh, this week we might start on reflecting reflections on the sets of four, four teachings, four different principles, sets of four that the Buddha spoke about. But, but I uh, spoke too soon because uh, there is another set of three that is worth uh, reflecting on, being reminded of. Um, so that we're able to uh, uh, enhance our practice, spiritual practice. And uh, it was uh, Stephen last week that reminded me of this particular set of three, which, which sometimes I even just take for granted because it's so fundamental to, uh, to the Buddha's teachings. In fact, uh, this particular set of three, which is found in, in one particular quality, is, is the whole of the Buddha's teachings as well. Whilst we have reflected that, um, yes, the Buddha's teachings is about living consciously, it is the, the um, eightfold path or the eight practice factors for living consciously, which is summarized in the Trinity of Sila, Samadhi, Panya, morality, meditation, wisdom. But the distinguishing factor of the Buddha's teachings, the, the element that makes uh, the Buddha's teachings somewhat different from a lot of the other religions, spiritual teachings, teachers, is this particular factor, and that is wisdom. So the Buddha's teachings is a teaching, a wisdom teaching. It's a path of wisdom. It's not a path of compassion. So the Buddha's teachings is not a path of compassion, it's a path of wisdom. Yes, compassion is important, and uh, certainly the Buddha spoke about the importance of compassion, and uh, certain Buddhist traditions currently talk about the importance of compassion, but uh, compassion without wisdom is folly. Compassion without uh, wisdom becomes uh, very problematic. And so if there is wisdom, then compassion will then actually be used in the right, correct way towards uh, the right person, people, at the right time, to the right degree, in the right way, etc. So wisdom is the fundamental factor, the, the main domain that the Buddha's teachings uh, are actually expressing. So if we think about that then, then, okay, wisdom, uh, what is wisdom and... Uh, uh, even the idea of, okay, well, how do we get wisdom? How do we get wisdom? How do we, uh, how do we be wise? And whilst we might even use that type of te- terminology to, uh, to get some wisdom or to be wise, I even wonder whether that's, that's the right use of, with regards to wisdom. It's like I'm going down to the shop to get some milk and I'll get some wisdom at the same time. As if it was a product that you can get um, some sort of commodity, some sort of product that you can buy, be given, um, 
but maybe it's not like that. You don't get wisdom. And even and even being wise. Is wisdom something that you that you be? I'm gonna be wise. It's like um, how do you be wise? It's a bit like you know, being tall. How do you be tall? If you're tall, how do you be tall? <laughs> or if you're uh, if you're thin, how do you be thin? Or short. It's like, well it's it's a way of it's how you are. It's not something that you're you're trying to do. You don't try and be tall, unless you're short trying to be tall. Elevation heals. But wisdom is something more that that we use. And that's a wise thing that I was told when I was a, a Buddhist monk. I remember one of my early teachers, Ajahn Pasano, who is a, a wonderful Canadian Buddhist monk. And uh, at the time, he was abbot of... Um, one of Ajahn Chah's branch monasteries in northeast Thailand, where I spent a lot of my time um, when I was in Thailand at the International Forest Monastery. So he was the abbot when I was there. And he would say, wisdom is something that you don't try and get, but something that you use. And the more you use wisdom, the more it develops. And as a, as a quality, as a, a way of um, expressing into life. I remember also that uh, one of the things I appreciate about my father was his expression of wisdom. He was quite an intelligent person, quite learned, had good stories, but uh, it was the wisdom factor that, that seemed to be special, especially for me as a child growing up. And what also attracted me to, uh, to the Buddha's teachings was the, the apparent wisdom that was being expressed through those teachings, as in like um, uh, things that were said or things that I read or things that I heard, they, they showed a, a sense of depth of understanding, understanding of uh, certainly the, the human mind, the human psyche, um, humanity in general, psychology of um, being a human being, and then relating and expressing and engaging into life in a way that then reduces stress, angst, unease, pain, suffering. And therefore, when those things get reduced, then what is enhanced then is more uh, peace, joy, clarity, well-being, happiness. And even the ultimate happiness that uh, the Buddha realized and was then termed a Buddha and that the Buddha then taught um, as a possibility. Uh, through through a path of wisdom, practicing wisdom. I remember also one of my first Buddhist teachers, uh, and even even what attracted me to go and spend time in his monastery when I was seventeen, and I uh, wanted to ordain as a Buddhist monk. And this this monk was called um, Prakanti Palo, an English Buddhist monk, and I'd met him in Sydney. He just started a forest monastery north of Sydney, up at Wiseman's Ferry, called Wat Buddha Dharma. And uh, I was visiting, actually staying in a Thai Buddhist temple in Sydney at the time. And he said, come and, come and uh, join us up in this forest monastery. We're focusing more on meditation and um, understanding, practicing the Buddha's teachings. And I had a chat with him. And uh, what was 
what was the, the main characteristic that I felt was wonderful was his expression of wisdom. And so it came out through what he said, saying things that just seemed to, to resonate, seemed to be so clear and so, um, so fundamental to understanding life, living consciously, and, and reducing stress and suffering. And so in a way, the, the way in which wisdom is expressed is certainly verbally. We can express wisdom through what we say, which may not be necessarily our wisdom. It may be wisdom teachings that we have heard or that we've read, and then we can express them, but it's still an expression of, of wisdom. And obviously, the more that we take them to heart, uh, embody them, be them, so they become realized to us, real to us, then we express them as as uh, words of wisdom, but um, also in terms of actions, behaviors that are that are wholesome, skillful, wise behaviors, doing the wise thing, doing what what is wise in a certain situation, as opposed to doing that which maybe causes more stress, upset, confusion for oneself or for others. So wisdom is something which is expressed through through words and through deeds or actions. But uh, internally for ourselves, we might also realize that uh, we can express wisdom through how we think. So that even just the right use of thought, a little bit like the, um, the second factor on the eight-factored path in Buddhism, the right, wholesome, skillful use of thought. So the thoughts that we have are more wise thoughts, which maybe also lead to more wholesome and skillful states of mind and more wholesome and skillful emotions more wholesome, worthwhile, healthy states of mood, and then into a way of being, ways of being into life. So wisdom is, is expressed in that way. Otherwise, otherwise, if it's, if, it's, if it's purely internal, I'm having lots of wise thoughts and wise, healthy states of mind, other people maybe don't notice that, other than they might notice that you're pretty calm, pretty cool, pretty chilled. Um, but... Um, Certainly, it's, it's a quality that we can have and develop as human beings. And I even would think that it's, it's a mark of uh, a more developed or advanced human being. Because, sure, human beings can be intelligent, can engage intelligence. But, as we're probably fully aware, people can be quite intelligent. Uh, intellectual, intelligent, but do some really stupid things say some really stupid things, make some really bad decisions, because the factor of wisdom wasn't there at that time, or maybe fundamentally the person's very bright, very intelligent, but they're not particularly wise. So it's even said that um, wisdom is the coming together of IQ and EQ. IQ intelligence, EQ emotional intelligence, as a way of engaging and expressing into life, and certainly it's wisdom, more than intelligence, that helps to reduce stress and suffering uh, for ourselves individually, and also then uh, in, in groups, in a community, nationally, globally. And so as human beings, we have the potential to become wiser as, as human beings. And, and the fact is that um, wisdom transcends time. Sure, there's worldly wisdom, there's, there's relative wisdom, but um, Transcendental wisdom is wisdom which transcends time and place and customs and culture and gender and age. 
uh, and that certainly is the is the like the wisdom teachings of the Buddha. Certainly, those teachings aren't alone in being transcendental wisdom. There's other wonderful teachings that, as well, from other teachers that transcend time and place and customs and culture and so forth. But certainly, uh, the Buddha's teachings are profound in in that avenue. So, with the appreciation of wisdom and uh, for ourselves, where we've made wise decisions, we've acted wisely, spoken wisely, and to see that, yes, it's been helpful for us in our lives, um, even where it may have happened just automatically. Yeah, just, that's what I said, that was wise, and that's what I did. But um, if we reflect back, gosh, if I had said something different, if I'd done something different, my life would be very different. Uh, it may have been a lot more stress, distress, confusion, upset, overwhelm. Uh, so yes, reflecting back, yes, those those wise decisions have been very, very helpful. But as uh, as well as this, we can appreciate well, how do we develop wisdom? How can we develop wisdom? If it is something which um, um, is possible for for human beings to have, and it's not just well, you're born wise and that's it. Bad luck this time round if you don't have enough wisdom. But yes, we can develop it, like like developing meditation. Some people are more, more able to calm and focus the mind than others. They maybe have uh, a natural tendency to that based upon, based upon uh, probably both nurture and nature. Genetics, the way in which their brain functions, personality, maybe their star sign <laughs> as well. But, um, but certainly one can develop that. And the same with wisdom, we can develop and grow wisdom in the same way that we can develop in uh, our intellect, increase our intelligence, we can also increase EQ, emotional quotient, emotional intelligence, and we can also then grow and develop wisdom. Uh, which is why the Buddha's teachings is worthwhile, because yes, it's not a statement, do this and you'll be wise, but it's about develop, develop wisdom for yourself. Grow that wisdom faculty. And this is where we have the trinity of the ways to wisdom, or the three ways to wisdom that are spoken about in the context of uh, Buddhist practice, or even a practice that transcends Buddhism. It's just skillful, wise ways of developing wisdom. So the first way to wisdom is through the right use of thought. So conscious thought, conscious consideration, conscious contemplation, mindful mindful contemplation. So thinking and reflecting upon things. And uh, sure, we, we all think. A lot of people think uh, maybe a bit too much. So um, even just the wise use of thought, but actually using thought to reflect upon a, um, an experience, a situation, and this is where we can actually resource the past and develop wisdom from that. Okay, that happened five years ago. Um, I haven't been able to think about it for, for a long time. It's just regretful and upsetting. But now I'm going to look at that and reflect upon that with some clarity, with some mindfulness. What did go on then? Uh, what was I thinking? What was I saying? What did I do? What was the result of that? That wasn't particularly helpful. I've been upset since then. Okay, what would have been a... a, a a better thing to say, knowing what the consequences were of what I did say or do. 
what would have been wiser to think, say, do, act, be, etc., so that we can actually then learn from the past. So that's using thought in a conscious, considered way. Uh, we can think about the future. Okay, I want to feel a certain way in the future, uh, be a certain way. What do I need to do to be able to feel like that, to be like that in the future? And so thinking things through also then develops wisdom for, for how we can be into the future as well. So conscious, conscious thought, the right use of thought, very helpful for the development of wisdom. The second way is through study and learning. And generally this would be studying, learning, uh, in the context of reading, listening to, um, maybe even looking at um, teachings, wisdom teachings, and, and that becomes a way of reflecting, ah, oh, this is worthwhile, uh, this, is, this is helpful. So even in the same sense that um, some of the teachings that I might be given, giving, and certainly uh, the wisdom posters around the room here, expressing the Buddha's wisdom teachings by being able to, to look at those and um, study those, remember those, contemplate those, that, um, that study and learning helps to develop uh, wisdom for ourselves as well. And these days, certainly in the contemporary life, 21st century, uh, no excuse. Gosh, there's some wonderful avenues for um, accessing really wise, profound, insightful, enlightening teachings. So it's not just, okay, I've got I've to go and find a particular bookshop that might have some some Buddhist teachings. I remember when I was growing up with my family, and certainly my father, who was very much into to Buddhism and meditation, yoga, uh, also into before that into Hinduism, Advaita, non-duality. And so um, we'd go to this bookshop called Adya Bookshop, which was um, in the city, make sort of a pilgrimage to Adya Bookshop on the trains, about um, two trains, um, into the city and um, go to Adyar Bookshop. I think it was above the State Theatre. Uh, no, that that was more recently. It was um, there's a State Theatre and it was um, going this little this lift up and it was above there and just um, it's only about the size of this area here and it was filled with books. Most of them imported from India, so really bad printing, and um, they weren't put together particularly well, and they had a particular smell to them. <coughs> and and the, the whole place smelt of incense, and there'd be these um, uh, really ethereal people behind a table, sort of serving, um, sort of like hippies and um, long hair and beads, and they'd sell beads as well, and. Uh, and there'd be sort of even weirder people that had come in and sort of be reading books sitting on the floor. And uh, so it was a, I must have been like about seven or eight. It's like, wow, it's a really weird place. <laughs> a little bit scary, but. <laughs> so it was there for many years before it uh, moved down to Clarence Street and it became sort of upmarket and, and lots of trinkets and, and things as well. But. Adyar Bookshop was the place to go to to find some wisdom teachings. 
nothing much else in Sydney. But um, these days, obviously, and even to the point that it's so progressive that Adjustnot doesn't even exist as a physical place. It's, they may exist online, but um, these days, the access to, to certainly buy books from around the world, um, then also teachings from um, that have been recorded, that are online that people can uh, listen to, look at, download. Many, many, many meditation groups and um, spiritual groups that people can connect with. So it's it's really wonderful that um, in this age of communication, information communication, there's a lot of wisdom that is available for people to resource in the form of uh, certainly books and audiovisual to make to make use of. And so that becomes in the second factor of the ways to wisdom through studying and and learning. The challenge is making the time to actually um, sit down and to study and learn and remember and look into. Uh, that's that sort of um, balances out maybe the lots of information is there, but making the time to actually access it and use it. The third way to wisdom is uh, probably uh, no surprise to you all, but the third way to wisdom is meditation. And this is where meditation, uh, especially meditation that develops uh, mental calm, mental clarity, inner peace, so a foundation of, of calmness and clarity, which in itself can help to, to develop um, or allow insight to occur. So even just the samatha or calm meditation, so that um, with that calm, clear mind, then insight does occur, both in meditation and also having that tool of a, of a, a mind that is light, bright, aware, alert, to then uh, reference or study wisdom teachings, to then contemplate things as well. But also as well, we have the pasana meditation, which is insight meditation, which specifically is for the purpose of developing insight, insightful understanding or wisdom through the actual use of a meditative mind state for reflecting upon a particular uh, wisdom point or teaching such as impermanence or the unsatisfactory element to all, all experience or the fact that um, there's no permanent sense of self, those three, three um, teaching elements of the Buddha there, those three characteristics of existence, anicca, dukkha, anatta, impermanence, unsatisfactory, no permanent self. So using that as a reflection, contemplation within meditation for the development of insight, understanding, then application as wisdom. And we can see that these, these three domains go together. So the more we have uh, calm, clarity, peace of mind in meditation, and the more skillful thoughts we will have for contemplating, reflecting upon uh, life in general, experience that we are having or had or maybe will have, and also then uh, resourcing wisdom teachings even to be able to discern what is a wisdom teaching worth studying, what is not. Um, that calm, clear mind enables that. So these are three, three ways to wisdom that we have access to, even our sessions here offer that in terms of um, some meditation time, some time to um, 
listen to some teachings, and then also to contemplate and reflect for yourself as well. Because what our, what our planet needs is, is wiser people. Not just more intelligent people, but wise people. And um, wisdom doesn't have to be something which is just for uh, men. You can have wise women as well. And not just for uh, older people, old wise men with beards, uh, grey hair. But um, people at any age, any gender, to, to be wise. Uh, certainly that helps themselves, but also helps humanity. Uh, a lot of the mess that our humanity is in at the moment is because, well, because we're not intelligent, we created amazing stuff, but that we're, we're not wise enough. We need more wisdom. And even where we have just a few... A few more wise people in, in positions of power, in positions of decision-making. If they were wiser, then they could uh, change significant things in our society, in our, in our humanity, on the planet to, to preserve well-being. But obviously it starts with us. We can, um, as a wise man once said, as a wise person once said, be the change that you... Uh, would like to see, so that uh, we can be that change, we can be the wisdom. If we, if we come across some expressions of wisdom or some wise teachings that, that do transcend time, then it means that there's something fundamental there in terms of um, seeing and expressing something fundamental to, to life, to the human condition. Which is why certainly the Buddha's teachings are quite wonderful because they they are a psychology of um, the human condition, humanity, and yet they transcend time in that sense. Still applicable now as they were years ago. When you studied psychology after you'd left the, the monastery, did you find it? a conflict between what you were being taught there and what you've been taught in the world? Uh, not really. So I didn't find a particular conflict between studying contemporary psychology and studying uh, the Buddhist teachings of two and a half thousand year old psychology. The only conflict was uh, a, a frustration in the, the uh, small-mindedness of uh, of psychologists or researchers where psychology was at because it was it was only really a a, a small understanding uh, it was it was quite limited and if if western psychology had resourced more of wisdom wisdom or eastern eastern wisdom then it would have advanced a lot further it's now doing so um, through even just through this the mindfulness uh, movement that, that's developed and, and meditation and then uh, the interest in Buddhism. So even the Australian Psychological Society, which is the, the main uh, psychological society in Australia, there's, there's, there are several, but that's the main one. They have a, an interest group, which is a Buddhist psychology interest group, and um, which I've given talks at and, and so forth. So... There's, there's a development there, but it was a little bit you know, frustrating that uh, 
that it was quite limited when I was studying psychology. Yeah, and I've been reading recently as well, just looking at compassion, that compassion hasn't really been researched or studied very much and that all the psychoanalytic kind of research focuses on lack and on mm, human, mm. you know, all the, the negative aspects, anxiety, depression and all of those yeah. things rather than on those positive yeah. you know, human and developing mm, mm. those positive characteristics mm. and like the lost art of compassion. Yeah. And that's the key point that that our our medical system and especially psychology, which is only a new science in in the West, has focused on pathology and clinical um, illness as opposed to the potential of the mind, of consciousness, of human beings for for development. Um, the The old medical model is a diseased model in terms of it's it's reactive. We'll treat a disease when a disease is manifesting as opposed to focusing on health, what keeps people healthy, let's promote and proactively develop health as opposed to just dealing with disease, putting out the fires. So would sports psychologists be more inclined to borrow from Eastern teaching? Uh, maybe in terms of being positive, and certainly there's uh, positive psychology, and um, Martin Seligman, so positive psychology, and then motivational psychology, sports psychology. Yeah, and even organizational psychology into the corporate sector, which is focusing on developing qualities and skills and, and development. That's right, yeah. And psychotherapy is focused more on the actual process work itself. Certainly, it's important to um, recognize where there is um, pathology or, or issue or illness and to understand how that occurs, why that has occurred, what can be done about it. So learning from that, but also seeing where things can go further into the future. So focusing on what's what's good, what's worthwhile. Um, often when I have clients that present with um, physical illness like cancer, we focus on, on wellness, not focusing on illness, focusing on health, focusing on um, uh, mental calm, mental clarity, focusing on what what health they do have as opposed to seeing I'm sick, I'm unwell, it's, you know, the most of you is actually well. Uh, cancer may be in a particular part of the body, but mentally you're fine, emotionally you're fine, uh, most of your body is fine, it's just a particular part is has some dis-ease happening. Um, so being positive and, and focusing on wellness can help the body come back to balance, balance, harmony, wholeness, which is that process of healing, the returning, restoring back to balance, harmony, and wholeness. Uh, whereas health is that state, healing is returning back to that state, illness is a manifestation of imbalance, lack of harmony, lack of wholeness. It's a bit like um, you know, things, things become polarized, the Eastern approach, the Western approach, uh, the, um, uh, a little bit like the, the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain. As human beings, we need to have a, a whole brain approach to life, not just be left-sided thinking, but the right side, the, the bigger picture, the holistic, the artistic, the creative, the feeling. So a whole brain approach, and also with medicine, uh, a whole approach, wellness, um, meditation, spiritual practice, a, a whole whole approach to that. 
whilst whilst most practice begins with oneself, but it can also be really important to be in a, in an, in a supportive environment, which includes the group, the, the human element, which is like the a meditation group or a, or a, um, a Buddhist spiritual group. Uh, um, the group helps to encourage the individual, um, maybe even some peer group pressure. Uh, so the group element is really, really important, and um, there's much that... Um, can be achieved when people work as a group, because um, uh, one can't often be everything to oneself. But when there's a group support and group think and group feel and group process and uh, major things can happen then. So the the parts the parts are <coughs> affected by the whole. The whole is affected by the parts. The the micro to macro correspondence and the macro to micro correspondence occurs. So um, I think that the momentum that can develop where even just like in relationship, it's, it's difficult to, to, to be alone as a human being. We, we need other people to have a, a companion to make life a lot more easier than to more than just a companion, a sense of a, a family or a group that we connect with and then a community, society, humanity. So it's Flows on from there. We we need we need others to to make it all work. We'll do give uh, some consideration to the three ways to wisdom. So again, through uh, um, conscious thinking, conscious contemplation, and then through study and learning, and then through uh, through meditation. Have a good week and see you next time. That's all for this episode. Until next time, head over to wellawareness.com.au and discover what's on offer to relieve stress and suffering and enhance your health and well-being. Ranging from one-on-one counselling relating to many issues facing individuals in today's modern world to meditation courses and retreats.